Namaste Jai Hind welcome to another edition of ANI podcast with Smita Prakash Today my guest is Lieutenant General Anil Kumar Bhatt who retired as military secretary of the Indian Army in 2020 He has had a 40 year career in the forces where he held major appointments including that of the DGMO during the Doklam crisis against China with General Bipin Rawat as his chief He also served as the Chinar Corps commander from 2018 when the Indian Army carried out extensive major operations against terrorist leadership in Kashmir Valley and eliminated major groups there. He served 3 times in Jammu and Kashmir and has held several important posts including that of commander of the 21st Mountain Division. He is also the first director general of the Indian Space Association. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast uh, uh General Bhatt. We are very honored that you ca- you've come here. My colleague uh, Ajit Dubey is here. Uh he handles defense as you would know. Uh, Ajit is has got a very bad throat which is a Delhi phenomenon I think. But in spite of that he was he's going to join me. Ma'am I got it uh, on a Air Force tarmac in Jodhpur so Okay so not there. eating golgappas is <laughs> yes, what he's trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, but you know he'll join me because you know he has more domain experience and things and uh, we will ask you about the current hat that you wear which is the space uh, uh, program but before that we want to talk about your years in the army mm-hmm. and uh, as uh, you know because the curiosity is of course uh, about that uh, you were the chinar corps commander in 2018 sir when a large number of terrorists were neutralized in the valley could you tell us a little bit about those years uh well amongst uh, my entire career if i look at some look back and look at something which was like a dream that was my tenure as a chinar corps commander mm-hmm. and like i would like to share with you that every morning when i would get up get dressed up and just before i left to meet the forward troops i would close my eyes and thank god and you know what i would say that this life should continue forever that you are there where the whole nation is looking up to you to perform you lead the best men of the indian army and whatever you do will help this nation to become strong and uh, it was always every day it would make me feel that i am in the ultimate job and i wish that i would have continued like that forever right so what happened in 2018 sir well, how was it different from earlier years okay. because of this these operations that you undertook now i'll start with the background mm-hmm. you know uh, militancy or what we call ci operations in kashmir have been waxing and waning and by 2008 we had got a grasp of it then started the new movement where people were getting involved more civilians were being killed and it was something like a intifada they were creating hmm. and that peaked in 216 when a young boy called burhan wani was killed there was the first social media terrorist the kind of anger he could create amongst the normal public amongst the youth they brought kashmir to a standstill it was a new kind of movement where it was people coming out there was stone pelting there were large crowds when a civilian or a terrorist was killed and this was all being organized it was 
more to attract the world opinion the world media and get a feeling that everyone in kashmir does not want to be part of india and added to that in the same year if you know was when the incident happened in uri where there was a attack on a new battalion which was coming in and we lost a large number of troops of course we reacted to it and that was the first time the indian army went across the line of control hmm. and we sent a message to pakistan but from then on when i went and took over to me was to now take back that take back the narrative from the terrorists from the separatists and for that what i identified what all i have to do hmm. firstly is convince my own men that they are doing the best job and they are broad shoulders to hold their hand hmm. and for that every day i was out communicating with my men with my young officers assuring them and also telling them what was more important that we have to differentiate between the terrorist and the people of kashmir the people of kashmir are part of india hmm. the terrorists come from pakistan or are elements who do not believe in what is india hmm. and they the only thing for them is hmm. the gun they have to be eliminated and one one thing more to me it was killing of terrorists was not a parameter that brought success it's something else that because i did not put that pressure on my command a largest number of terrorists were killed in that decade from 2008 till today that year has been the last largest number of neutralizations now one was this thing the other was what was the number sir uh, it was around 274 and year. the other thing which happened with along with that was i was able to get all the security forces together and that is a experience or that is what i had learned when with my previous experiences in the valley where differences between police crpf intelligence agencies we would lose out hmm. and here my tenure even in the northeast as a core commander and now in the valley and one of the persons i learned this all this was from general vk singh he was my goc when i was in the valley and he he really laid down a lot of importance to inter services cooperation so this is what i ensured and by two months of my tenure we were all like a band of brothers mm. the ib chief there the raw chief there the dg dgp of police we were all working together and that synergy produced its strength produced effectiveness in all domains uh, i'm going to come to social media and uh, taking back the narrative later mm. but uh, you know um, you said that uh, you didn't put forward this uh, goal to your men that itne number chahiye so many i want killed but it just happened because of various reasons that you say but what was the brief given to you when you started there uh the brief to me of course uh, uh, there was no written brief but what i understood it and i i had an advantage i was going down going there after being the director general of military operations i knew the chief's mind clearly and what was most important is to bring the level of violence control and, it and your chief was sir? uh general rawat general bipin rawat yes okay and there was a clarity that we have to use the gun violence only against terrorists and we have to differentiate we have to win over the narrative of kashmir win over the people of kashmir and uh, that has been an ongoing effort 
and i'm so happy that we could achieve and create conditions that in the next year after i left mm. the government was confident enough to remove 370 article 370 which has changed the narrative in kashmir right but um, before that happened uh, it said that just because of this very strong army action against uh, against terrorists pakistan you know probably decided that some big incident has to be done because otherwise the army will continue and it said that the pulwama attack uh, was a result of the successes that the indian army got in 2018 so just before i uh, uh, hand over to you i for our uh, viewers listeners who don't know about the details of this the the foreign audience or indians living abroad just a brief uh, explainer that this was the pulwama attack was on february 14th 2019 where a vehicle bomb suicide bomber attacked a convoy of vehicles on the jammu shrinagar national highway in pulwama 40 crpf soldiers died in that attack and one kashmiri who was the perpetrator right sir so can you tell us about that 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 pulwama attack firstly your assessment and i agree with you that uh, because we were uh, the violence levels were under control we had put all terrorist organization on the back foot the separatists on the back foot i i as a core commander anticipated there would be some reaction and the two vulnerabilities with the military forces have in a place like kashmir one is the ieds that is uh, explosive devices which can be used on highways and here also i'll tell you the challenge there was to bring back normalcy let people move freely and i'll give you example say 10 years back a convoy moving on the highway from banihal to shrinagar everything was stopped. everything was stopped stand still for those 2 3 hours when the convoy we slowly allowed people to move along with us and this cost of normalcy this cost of peace was that the suicide attack took place it was because we were allowing the people of kashmir to have a more peaceful life but yes that is the cost one has to have and my fears were two one was id or other was an attack on some headquarter hmm. and here i would tell you about there was a jaish e mohammed terrorist sent a few months earlier to attack the shrinagar base my headquarter banda badami market and there was an announcement that this is going to happen we traced who that person was he was in the thral valley and he had told he had he had a team with him whom he had instructed that they have to attack shrinagar and if they don't do it he himself will come he was a senior commander we found him and eliminated him like a rat uh we were doing it all over for ids also it was there but yes one odd societal it is we have to succeed 40 times it is one failure which makes a difference where we lost so many people yeah was there any failure in uh, sops in that i mean there will be inquiries there'll be f- new sops which were probably been laid after that but uh, what went wrong sir 40 lives was a very high pr- price yeah. to pay uh, you know maybe at that time and i'd of course left so i would uh, you had left the, only 5 5 6 days back uh, about 3 weeks back 3 weeks back yeah uh what was uh, the thing is maybe what i felt was maybe too many of a very large number of troops were moved together mm. there was snow the banihal had been closed for some time 
there was pressure in jammu that troops have to move in and that could have been maybe planned in a more logical manner that such a large vulnerability would have not been there and you think that uh, it's also intel information which the other side which the pakistanis had that there is a change of guard that a new uh, co commander is coming in uh, uh, that would have not made the difference because the person who replaced me was maybe better general so dilan who we had so, here so there is so, so there, there is no continuity which happens uh, there, there was total continuity between him and me in what we thought of how operations had to be done how the whole story had to be carried forward and uh, uh, that would not have been the reason it was they found that vulnerability that day they must have been carrying out the recce for some time hmm. and that was the day they found that there was a very large number moving and because there was snow because uh, uh, all around and this large number would have they would have come to know maybe from jammu itself and they would have moved a little guard was down maybe yes every day when the convoy is moved and I, that is my my memory goes back to when i was even a colonel gs that was something like a bright coming in we were very cautious we used to have mm. our guards on all along but like i said free movement allowing the kashmiri people also to move along when the convoy is moving that was the cost of that as you said prior to moving into the valley as a jinnar core commander you served as the director general military operations now it was during that tenure general rawat had taken over as the chief of army staff uh, he was very aggressive on this front and uh, recently the cds also said that they that you you people took the war to the enemy yeah. how was it what was the thinking at that time sir and how how did you achieve it now i would give you an example previously if there were infiltrations which took place into kashmir valley the troops on the lc used to respond we used to take countermeasures do anti infiltration acts if they came inside we chase we got after them the ids were put on our side now we decided there is the another on the across the line of control is sitting pakistan which is troubling us but the troops their troops are not paying for it so the aim was to put a cost into the actions and the cost was if they helped for infiltration we did actions we used artillery we used direct weapons so all along the lc was activated the outcome of that was that the pakistani troops who were just bystanders now were paying for the action and this resolute action for a long time has had its results the support for infiltration and all by local commanders definitely reduced and sir like uh, 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 like uh, was this your personal observation that they are having a good time or was it feedback from the ground troops or okay. whose idea was it that so, pakistanis were having, were having a, we knew that uh, uh, in the whole Uh, CI operations which were happening in the valley or even in the area of Rajouri, the Pakistani troops would not get affected by it. They would assist these infiltrators to get through. Uh, and how would they assist? Sir, we know we know how they assist. But uh, for our listeners, how would they assist? If you could explain uh, what 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 actually you did, sir. Okay. Uh, firstly, they would provide a base from where they could take off and infiltrate. Give them information where are the gaps across, where are ambushes and other things have been put. and thirdly at at times carry out a exchange of fire to distract our troops mm. so that these people could infiltrate through 
This was a modus operandi which has been there for a large number of years. But now here there was a cost. There were mortar shells and artillery shells landing on the head if they attempted infiltration from any area. So did you uh, like uh, once you took over General Rawat came in the team now you decided that if you fire a bullet at us to support a terrorist we will pay it back in artillery shells and uh, heavy fire because I yeah. remember sir you people had uh, you people who had uh, put the turrets of uh, uh, the old yeah. vision tanks. Yeah. If you could tell us about that sir. Uh, uh, this was basically to increase the potency of the direct fire. So they are, uh, the the caliber is slightly higher of these turrets, the weapons in which are there. It provides a protection. Which weapon uh, was it, sir? Uh, uh, basically, we went into the uh, caliber which was slightly higher, 2.50 at times, and uh, used some of the anti-aircraft guns which are there on the tank and all, which we used for direct firing. Because it gives gave us better range and it gave us better effectiveness. Also, a psychological not, not pressure. Not that this has not happened before. Ha, that's what I wanted to know. Is it a psychological pressure also, sir, yes. by doing that? Yeah. Not that it had not happened before, or military commanders had not done it before. Hmm. But now there was a direction from the highest authority that we have to be more punitive in our actions against Pakistan. Inflict co uh, cost. More. Yes. Inflict a uh, total cost on the Pakistan army. Does yeah, that help in the morale, do you think, of the forces? Firstly, uh, uh, it helps the morale of our troops, definitely. But more importantly, on them. The, the other side, the enemy now is more cautious to carry out any activities which are inimical to us. And, and sir, he has to pay a cost for it. I've been visiting the LC for a long time, sir, like 20 years. And even before that, TV, we used to see our troops wearing BP jackets and all. D uh, did this punitive action change the behavior of the Pakistani? No, I, I'll, I'll uh, tell you further how it happened. And um, uh, Of course, I am not the only one who did it. When I went to Srinagar and I would go to my troops on the forward area on the line of control, and Odi had happened a few years back, my directions to my commanding officers, to my brigade commanders was that you, any such action would not be acceptable to me. And if it happens... Your reaction should happen before you report to me. You have to tell me that, okay, they have tried to do something. They have raided our post, but we have gone across and already raided our post or did something. This is your, uh, they, these were your orders to troops to, uh, uh, this was post-Uri. Yes. Post-Uri, yes. when they came in, sent terrorists and killed our yeah. people on yes. the LOC, your orders were... That if they try it again, you will carry out an action against them and then report to me. Yes. This was, my, uh, my direction was you will not look back for orders. You will, your reaction at the local level will take place and you will inform me after that. Now what happened because of that? Because my Ghatak platoons, my special forces were carrying out recce all along the LC. It created an automatic caution across. Combined with us carrying out arty fire, direct fire, what happened was, and this is, uh, I, one of the CEOs on the LC, I told him, well, when they come to meet you on the LC, a small flag meeting, you are the ones putting on helmets in BPJ while they are in uh, normal caps. It should be the other way around. And sure enough, after eight months, he sent me Darka a photograph. <laughs> after eight months, he sent me a photograph where the Pakis were with BPJ and helmets and our people were in hats. 
it's a psychological game it's a game that's right so a couple of questions before that you mentioned ghatak platoon some of us know it who've covered ab ye bataiye sir what is a ghatak platoon yeah. it sounds yeah. very and, sexy and, term and, and ghatak sense uh, sf sir how do they operate matlab yes. uh, um, what were they wrecking for what were they looking for uh, which you talk now uh, the difference the security uh, special forces which are there they quite a bit previously we would use them inside the valley hmm. to carry out surgical operations there are troops who are better trained they are better armed and they uh, as a team they carry out very good operations and uh, for many years they were carrying out operations inside anti terrorist operations uh, but uh, some time back and it was much before my tenure uh, during uh, general hudda's time that the rakis for strategic targets across started getting taking place so the sf today was now focusing on targets cross the line of control hmm. if and when required hmm. now that is at the level of core and command but at the level of the battalion commander his special forces are the ghatak platoon it is the best 20 to 30 men well trained highly motivated who are able to carry out operations of equal grade like the security forces special fact, forces special forces ha special forces they can they uh, they caliber their motivation and even today their weapons are of a category that they can carry out small surgical and effective operations and this is each battalion has it hmm. even on the lc at sometimes battalions create two of these units hmm. now uh, way back they were called commandos hmm. it was called a commando platoon of infantry battalion this name ghatak was given by late general joshi hmm. and he said they should be called differently and they should be called ghatak and that is how this to uh, and ghatak is one who hmm. uh, who, who inflicts who, casualty yeah so what is the mental makeup of somebody who works in a ghatak platoon like when you meet a person uh, who's from the from that group how does what is the mental makeup of that person he no. knows that he may not come back from a from an operation from a task given to him he may not come back alive right How, what is the mental makeup oh, uh, they are like they are the gladiators mm. of a co mm. they are they are pampered they are even allowed to put in a special dress they are only focusing they are, they are the lead boys at many times people say no it's only creating a few experts in the whole battalion or the whole regiment should be equally good but to have such a team motivates many others to reach that levels reach that level of caliber military capability hmm. and all that and of course uh, the cost is that if required they are the first ones who will give their life but that apart it is not in an infantry battalion i would expect everyone to be a gatak right so did you uh, at any point of time so send men across which if you can't say i will understand but when you send men on these tasks and you know that they may not come back what does it feel oh you know th- this is one of the most for a senior commander and especially when you are a co you are much closer but when you are a core commander maybe you are at a distance but every man and if at all he goes the harm way if he goes for a risk you have sleepless nights it is like your own son your own child going across 
So this this is one of the most difficult thing for any commander. I would not specify that did I send troops across or not and all, but I would only give you an example that there was a Gurkha battalion in my AOR, and one day while patrolling was being carried out, one of our JCOs was hit by a sniper by a team which had come very close to the line of control. He got a bullet, uh, and later he succumbed to his injuries. In the next five hours, there was a blast in a post in Pakistan where six people died. I won't get into the details how it happened, and of course, I did not send any troops across, but we did it. So it is not only doing it physically with your troops. There are proxies. There are many other methods to handle the enemy on the line of control. That taking of badla for a loss of life of your man, that is extremely important, isn't it? Oh yes. especially for the troops on ground hmm. because it is if you hit me i have to hit you twice if not 10 times and for this you get an okay from from the chief from the political establishment or you don't wait for that uh, you know uh, you you have a sense of what your chief wants what the political establishment wants and uh, this is one thing that uh, when i went as a core commander i knew my military hierarchy and my political hierarchy will hold my hand for any action i as a core commander decide to do that is one thing there were no orders to be given it was the sense and i knew what my nation and my army wanted this was when you went in as core commander this is not your first tenure yeah you have uh, you also commanded your battalion there uh can you tell us uh, like uh, we have heard uh, you gave a very uh, motivational speech standing on a bonnet of a jeep uh, i know commanding gorkha troops especially uh, and that too in action environment in place like kashmir uh, like um, um, i can imagine uh, like i have i talked to a lot of uh, young officers everybody says that when you go you give the motivational speech you feel like uh, a napoleon bonaparte kind of a feeling that's uh, so uh, please uh, share your experience yeah. with Harip, us sir uh, the story is a little different this happened when i was in the plains i was in a peace station in ranchi but before that you know for any soldier for any one who goes to the military uh, despite everything the ultimate would be that he goes to war and he fights for his nation and if ne- necessary gives the supreme sacrifice when i was a co i nearly got it and that was because oprakram happened and one fine day after the parliament was attacked we were mobilized and we knew we would be going to war in 3 to 4 days from ranchi we had moved to the border in rajasthan and in the next 24 to 48 hours we were ready to go across and here was my whole battalion we were already geared up ready to go and i felt okay in maybe this is the last time i'll meet them together before we go in and we go across so i wanted to talk to all my men and that is the time i got into a bonnet of a jeep and spoke to all my men i said the nation needs us we are here now today to do what every soldier would want to do and i talked to them for 15 to 20 minutes and yes the morale of the whole battalion was much higher much different i was feeling better 
सो दैट इज द इंसिडेंट विच माई यंग ऑफिसर्स ऑलवेज रिमेम्बर गोरखास की बात हो रही है तो फिर जनरल मानिकशा ऑल्सो इज नोन फॉर दोज इंस्पिरेशनल स्पीचेस दैट ही यूज टू गिव ऑफ कोर्स ही वॉज ऑन much higher pedestal in a higher category 71 But, war yeah, at that yeah. time it said that his speeches also so in parakram we, when we nearly went to war it it was it, those feelings and just before you get into the ring and i thought it was very important that i could communicate with each and every man of mine and it happened we got together it was a sand dune to raise myself that everybody could see me i used a jeep and got into the bonnet and then you also uh, took them to Do, i the, took them to the udi to the line of control okay and any any in incidents there which you would like to well of course like you know on the uh, lc the basic is the psychological game especially when a new battalion comes in the other side wants to put them down morally by causing casualties by firing by doing other things and that was the most formative time of a unit and my unit did pretty well there and even in a few months we had exchange of fires and all which we effectively handled so when uh, you know when casualties occur in their ranks uh, the first thing they would tell the terrorists uh, when i'm talking about the soldiers in the pakistan army when there are casualties there they would probably give uh, the directive to to their foot soldiers the terrorists who they've infiltrated that they should inflict casualties among civilians right and then comes this thing how how do you manage that so uh, once you have said you know because basically chaos and confusion and fear should be generated you once said that and i'll quote you the army will abide by its rule that's the indian army will abide by its rule not to go after terrorist families or non armed civilians so there are many who say that you know these are conventional um tactics should i use that word that is used by the army whereas the terrorists on the ground are not using that uh you know that is what differentiates terrorists and people in uniform who represent a nation and especially us the indian army where we are the army people's army and people's army mean is the people of kashmir also hmm. and to reduce to cut off this cycle of violence that more terrorists are not produced locally that the people of kashmir get convinced that this army is also to protect them we have to be different to the uh, than the terrorists so at times even people uh, a, a terrorist from a family does not mean we have to target the whole family we shouldn't mm-hmm. and we didn't and what it helped was that the next son did not become there uh, there were many whom we could win over and in fact uh, as you know even the khwans were extremist who the indian army had won over and who became a small strong weapon for us so it is very very important that any army especially in in ci operations and that is where success is that we win the hearts and minds continuing on kashmir issue Uh, prior to core commander you handled kashmir very well as dgmo now uh, the dgmo also gets to talk to his pakistani ka- yeah. counterpart now when you took the war to the enemy i remember they they were uh, requesting very frequently for uh, talks on uh, tuesday so uh, what did they tell you ki aap bahut zyada kar rahe hain 
या बहुत ज्यादा हो गया है बंद करो अब हम कुछ नहीं करेंगे वट वॉज दी मेजर यू नो देव बीन दैट द पाकिस्तान आर्मी इज इन नो वे इन्वॉल्व इन सपोर्टिंग दैट लाइव वुड बी रिपीटेड बाई दैम एंड इवन वेन द वी स्टार्टेड मोर रेजोल्यूट एक्शंस मोर आर्टिफायर मोर रेजोल्यूट एक्शन बायास ऑलवेज देर वॉज अ क्राइ डेट वी शुड रिड्यूस इट वी शुड रिड्यूस दिस एक्सचेंज ऑफ फायर बिकॉज दैट दैट गिव मी एन इंडिकेशन दैट द पॉलिसी वी हैड डिसाइडेड फॉर मोर रेजोल्यूट एक्शन वॉज पेइंग एंड ऑन ग्राउंड देर लोकल कमांडर्स वुड दे ऑल्सो रिक्वेस्ट फॉर फ्लैग मीटिंग्स के भैया क्या एक हमने दो गोली चलाई आप तो होगी तो हम सिक्योर फील करेंगे army camp ho that's not feasible also so how is one supposed to do this firstly i'll uh, just a little bit i'll t- try to tell you and you are well aware of that uh, rajouri punch and coming down to nariya all these areas there is a population which is a mix of hindus and muslims as you go north maybe there are more muslims as you come towards jammu there are more hindus and these are small pockets of small villages four five houses spread over maybe a walk of 2 hours 3 hours 6 hours a very difficult area and uh, easily a terrorist can hit somewhere because we cannot be everywhere so one of the schemes which have we we've been running for a long time is the uh, vdc mm-hmm. village, village defense uh, committees and more importantly arming these local ex servicemen maybe ex policemen or me, uh, some youth from the local village and i have found this to be very effective mm. i remember 60 year old sikh gentleman proudly i was used to call these vdcs when i was a brigade commander mm. in that area uh, coming with his weapon he had been awarded a sena medal mm. because he had held back four terrorists for nearly 4 to 5 hours and even killed one and he had served in the armed forces only for 5 years okay now there are challenges there because the weapon we give them is not an ak previously it was a 3 not 3 and the terrorist has a weapon which is more sure. advanced uh, i think the armed forces locally are looking at it hmm. giving them best, better weapons training them and preparing them it is very important and to effectively control the, this area especially rajouri punch jammu it would be most important to make these vdcs more strong spread them out this culture and these people will be able to and yes they would have to be anchor posts where the army can react mm-hmm. but like at uh, like i'm telling you maybe at times the time when by the time the army reacts it will take a little Do you think that Pakistan is you know you you've done more than one tenure in uh, Jammu Kashmir you know that mm. these are waves uh, that happen you know there's the ebbing and uh, yeah. things that happen do you think that Pakistan is on the verge of creating yet another uh, you know a, a rise in militancy in uh, Jammu Kashmir using local uh, locals in this 
that effort would go on they have always been trying this but i i don't know i do not know, do not know the details as to who did this firing but i'm sure there would be terrorists from across and not locals hmm. locals by and large whatever community they belong to i'm talking about the punch rajouri hmm. sector are more looking for peace or they are convinced by the indian narrative okay so now that we have uh talked about jammu kashmir let me uh, turn your attention to the eastern sector you were director general military operations during the doklam crisis so could you tell us what happened then okay uh, to start with what exactly happened on 16th to 18th june hmm. when we decided 2017 now we're talking about yeah 2017 2017 was when a party of chinese troops as well as construction workers came to a point which was 200 meters from dokala which is a pass uh, uh, and they wanted to extend that road which was there up till there and take it to a ridge line uh, which was called zamferi just one and a half to 2 kilometers they had to cross one nala called torsa nala and thereafter go there and the implications was that if they had made that road to that point the zamferi ridge which as per us belongs and today also we believe is bhutanese it would they would have a peak into our siliguri valley in entire siliguri corridor would snake. be seen from there which was 25 to 30 kilometers a major strategic vulnerability would have been created so there was a choice to stop them there stop that road there or let it go now the technicality which they claimed and it was a question which was there that they and we also agree to one thing is that that land where they were wanting to make that road belong to bhutan so going across into another country to stop the third country was a major challenge to take the decision but that red line was clearly understood by me as a dgmo by my chief janrawat who became the cds and even by the government and we decided on that day to go across and stop them and mm-hmm. sir uh, like most of the people don't know uh, this fact that uh, dokala is a dokala is in bhutan mm-hmm. now no, dokala do, you are talking of the dolam plateau dolam or plateau. the doklam plateau yes, they now called so how far were we from there when we uh, uh, actually positioned when we saw the chinese uh, trying to build a road uh, on in this area Uh, just 200 meters 200 okay. to 300 meters okay and we were uh, on indian soil yeah we were on indian soil uh, fortunately in sikkim compared to all other places there is a distinct ridge line okay which forms uh, which is like a boundary it is more defined than in many other places like we have between india and china it is not very clearly defined but here it is defined better okay but the question was this land which was there did it belong to bhutan or china china claimed it was theirs bhutan claimed it was theirs and it was basically an issue of the trijunction okay the, the trijunction between the three countries we claim it is at batangla while they claimed it it was at kemuchin this made a difference of 8 to 10 kilometers deeper okay and that was the area which is called the dolam plateau and where it ends towards india or where it overlooks the siliguri corridor 
is called the Zamferi Ridge. So, at what point of time did we decide that we are going to move? Uh, the I think the what bulldozers they kya the would land uh, uh, movers and uh, it was all in that. those twenty four to forty eight hours it we took. decided. Okay, uh, I'll just give you a brief background to it. Hmm. Fortunately, when I took over as a director general of military operations in November two thousand and sixteen, uh, and General Rawat was the vice chief that time. There was a delegation which came from Pakistan, hmm. from sorry China, from the PLA. to here to india and fortunately we had one day interaction with them hmm. they came and uh, met the vice chief they met me as a dgmo and in that interaction i could meet the first theater commander of pla of china zhong zhong ki his name was and he, he stayed till june 2020 and there were the uh, there were officers from the tibetan military region the xinjiang military region it gave me a talking to them though through an interpreter did give me a sense of who they were hmm. and in their all they talk of course we talked of many things and how to keep the lac peaceful and all others somehow maybe i got a sixth sense that they could create some trouble sometime this year hmm in look in in, in, in in somewhere on their line of control okay. i was not very sure where hmm. uh, but the, uh, it was some somewhere that sure. I, uh, i thought they will they will test us they will probe us and this i think was the opinion of the chief also so uh, on june 16th is much later the action started earlier where there's a place called uh, the plateau or uh, there's a finger area we call it in sikkim only where they tried to do unnecessary showing of force even vehicles they tried to take it from our side of the uh, perception of the line of control which was very well defined they wanted to come on a track which was on site there was banging of vehicles and it started with small vehicles banging with each other and to comp- uh, to handle the chinese we send a, a little bigger one which when they banged into it was their vehicle which got this, this sounds so <laughs> it sounds like a fight in you know delhi's you know, is, so <laughs> suburbs it, yeah, so it is it is not a war but it is a psychological game it is it okay is. and uh, these psychological games are very important because there's no firing sir wo bhi bata dijiye explain uh, this thing uh, the thing is uh, there is uh, and if you see the lac has been peaceful for so many years is that over the years both sides have defined rules of the engagement game, engagement how when troops meet what will they do that we will not use firearms uh, how will situations be handled now they at times cross over Hmm. even a physical hitting each other's vehicle or getting into a physical uh, thing like it happened in yangshe is best avoided right but it does happen and it is very important to test each other's resolve and to keep the nerves right yeah. because it uh, when uh, general naravne was here he explained yes. that w- when the troops are that they are carrying firearms yes. and it requires a great deal of restraint, restraint. uh that uh, not to use that firearm and keep the spirit and letter of that treaty alive by not using that firearm despite provocation and uh, like uh, if you see for so many years we have been since 62 on the line of actual control and except w- one or two odd incidents in 67 or very recently in galwan we have not allowed violence to go beyond a right so Actually, let's get back sir so what happened that day then 
that so, so, 48 uh, hours now that they, firstly so whenever summers happened and that has been happening for a few years we we had started putting troops for acclimatized troops troops who could were operate in high altitude in all our sensitive areas be it mm. sikkim be it ladakh be it many other areas so we had adequate troops available to react to face a contingency mm. that was our backup now when we these dozers came and these people construction company people came on 16th the challenge was if he pushes his dozer how is a man going to stop it mm. without firing these how are pla dozers the pla dozers okay either he has to fire it's not way. private or anything no, it's their fauji dozer yes they're construction companies okay it's like uh, like our border roads border huh? roads something but with border troops okay so uh, it was okay to tell them to stop not to move the dozer forward but if he physically tries to use the dozer and tries to move and do which they tried they mm. they started uh, clearing the mud or something we had to stop them physically fortunately border road organizations dozers were on this side hmm. so the first so to say troops uh, oh, which went across they also took these dozers so we had force on force okay. to at least stop those dozers that is how we allowed these two dozers to come and if you go to the website or anywhere you will see that chinese picture which they have taken out showing that indian big vehicles across on this side hmm. so because we had it there and and rawat and myself we decided we might as well use so it's a crossover on the boundary you are doing at this stage yes you are. it was 200 meters across hmm okay but but it was as per us botanist territory right so is that viewed as a proactive aggressive measure done by india you know for us it was very clearly defined that we do not allow them to cross the torsa nala which would have led them to the jamferi ridge and created a vulnerability for us that was our red line hmm. and we ensured that, that that red line is not crossed and sir when you did it the chinese also reacted in a very aggressive manner they put in their missile systems they even today we see lot of satellite pictures showing a huge chinese camp along okay. that area so uh, 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 what did they do when you stopped them from moving ahead firstly they brought additional troops there there was a build up of troops at the point of contact and other than that they tried to activate the whole area of sikkim they brought in more forces closer to into the chumbi valley as that is there to yodong to other areas they brought in regiments of tanks which were put much more closer to the line of actual control they put in missiles they put in and they activated their air fields in the closer depth it was complete show of force and what did we do how oh, yes we also we we built up our forces and we were also prepared for any kind of contingency so uh, can we today say that now we also have a military camp in that area or uh, we have built around on the bhutanese territory to just protect are, our interest no, no we are not across on the bhutanese territory okay. but because we ha- here in sikkim we have an advantage is that we are on the ridge line okay and even dolam is lower than where we are at dokala okay we have an advantage the place where they build up and people say that okay they have built up later it is an area which is claimed by bhutan and china both okay it is not indian territory 
आर लाइन एल ए सी इज वेरी क्लियरली डिफाइंड इन सिक्किम एंड वी होल्ड है चाइनीज एज डी जी एम ओ नो एवरी फ्यू ईयर्स द चाइनीज कीप चेंजिंग द गोल पोस्ट दे से नहीं हम तो यहाँ तक पहले भी आते थे तो वेन यू डील विद दैम एट सच अ हाई लेवल डज इट सरप्राइज यू दैट अ कंट्री विच क्लेम्स टू बी अ सुपर पावर इकनॉमिकली मिलिटरली इज बिहेविंग इन सच अ पेटी मैनर दैट इज ट्राइंग टू एंक्रोच अपॉन इंडियन और भूटनीज और एवरीबडी एल्स इज लैंड इंच बाई इंच द थिंग इज ऑन द लाइन ऑफ एक्चुअल कंट्रोल they the aim is to test our resolve test what we will allow them to do and keep the lac active and it is as it is becoming more powerful both economically and it is growing up it wants to exert on its peripheries and of course we know geopolitically that in asia if there is a rival of course internationally it is usa in asia if there is some country which has not got into the chinese bandwagon it is india uh like uh, uh, when you say we have not got into the chinese bandwagon uh, right next uh, uh, on the western front this uh, there is pakistan which has ceded them land lot of areas in northern areas and now they are connected uh, over uh, uh, through the land border where they built up cpec also yeah so and i guess if i remember correctly a lot of activity was happening in this area also when you were uh, the dgmo what what actually were they doing sir at that time what has happened is you know the cpec which is an land access which china would now have through tibet and through pakistan other than that it is something like it is the new colonization of pakistan by china as i see it pakistan has is giving away its sovereignty for money is the pakistan army basically yes because the richest people there are from the pakistan army and to yeah. what Including extent the chief. to what extent they have done that <laughs> the plotistan that everybody talks about to what extent have they sold their country to the chinese you can see and you can make out that all properties along the cpec who has been the people who have involved in the contracts and allowing a a sovereign nation allowing your land to be given to another nation it is what can be more now the pakistanis don't have any right on the roads built by the chinese they uh, most of it is they have conceded much more than what a sovereign nation would so pakistanis mm-hmm. can't even open a dhaba alongside uh, yes dhaba and tire shops they can okay <laughs> dhaba and puncture shops <laughs> okay so we were talking when you were talking about kashmir you spoke about uh, taking back the narrative you know so there is this whole thing about a narrative being built and has been built not just new thing when it comes to two front war when it comes to china now that taking back the narrative bahut log bolte hain that you know this uh, that we lose the narrative at times that you know when it comes like for example if you remember during the stone pelting episodes you know that then that narrative was taken over now comes the china narrative so this whole thing uh, internationally also nobody gives us credit that we stood our ground against a nation which is like several times the size of india mm. and we are the only ones who have stood up against the bully tactics of china no other country in asia has stood up the way we have but that is not not even our own media 
gives us credit or gives the nation uh, credit for standing up. So there's this political narrative also. Then there's an international narrative also. So how important is it for the army at times, these narratives? You know, as far as China goes, uh, it is very important that we as a nation, and I think the government at least, we have to know that it is a rival which is growing. Hmm. And of course, in diplomacy, all roads are the best. You have to cooperate, you have to talk, you have to collaborate. Hmm. But as a military man, I would say, it should be done from a position of strength. Hmm. We have to, it is very important, we as India, we have to continue building up our strength because it is strength by making the infrastructure, by making better weaponization, that China knows that if it does any action against India, the cost would be very high. The best way to prevent a war with a strong rival is put a cost on him. Mm. And the cost can only be put if we are strong. Of course, for everything to happen, the most important thing is that as our economy grows, there will be more money for our security. Right. So you also spoke about 2016 where you met with the Chinese delegation and you got this sense. Uh, it's not just conversations. I'm sure your experience over the years, you could you could yes. make out the nuances when you meet, uh, you know, your counterparts. So you get this. Now, what once you go back... Uh, what happens? Do you tell the political leadership? Does the uh, do the diplomats? Does the ambassador? Uh, do you brief them also that you get this sense? How does the backroom talks happen then? So uh, I should share with you, and of course I remember Ajit had done a story on that. Hmm. Those seventy-four days of Doklam crisis was the was the most challenging for me, most sleepless nights, but professionally most satisfying as I look back. Nearly every day, the team, the backroom team was meeting, talking and discussing. And who all did it have? It had, it was led by the NSA. It had the foreign secretary, now the foreign minister. Hmm. They, it had the IB chief. It, it had the RAO chief. RAW chief. Uh, RAW chief. And myself and the GS who was handling China. And at times, whenever the um, uh, ambassador... Mr. Gokhale from China hmm. was flying in a number of times to brief us. So where does this now, happen? This is in the Delhi? This was a team meeting in Delhi. Okay. And nearly meeting every second day. Hmm. Getting all around 360 degree outputs and also working out what would be our response. This is almost a war room? Yes. Uh, informal one, but yes, like yeah. a war room. So even so, though we are not in a state of war... We are seeing an aggression. Uh, we're talking about 2017 yes, right now. Yes, yes. I, I'm using a present yes. tense because I'm get, yes, getting right. this sense yes, that right. this is what was going yes. on then. And in between, whenever there was a requirement, the Prime Minister was briefed on this. Hmm. The Foreign Secretary and the Defence Minister were also hmm. kept into the loop nearly on a daily basis. Right. And so they know every step of the way and yes. everybody is on the page, yes. same page. Yes. There's no dissonance because that can cause trouble. Yes. And like I told you all and everyone was the uh, was aware of what was happening, what were the responses and actions to be taken. And 
like this, Doklam was not only resolved at what we did at Doklam itself, which was our military part of it and our actions. Even the Prime Minister's initiative of walking up to uh, Mr. Uh, Xi Jinping at uh, a meeting on 15th July, that was a SCO meeting, hmm. oh, sorry, G20 meeting, he walked up to the Chinese Premier, uh, Premier and told him, that okay, this is the time now, uh, this is what has happened, we need to resolve it. Hmm. And I believe he agreed, that's what the newspaper report says, that we should talk diplomatically. But on the ground what happened was, we started communicating at the level of the foreign minister and the diplomacy. So there are some who will interpret that as a weakness on the part of uh, on the part of a political leadership that we made a move towards an aggressor. But I remember you saying that peace is what is most important. So for that reason, for, for, the, for the larger good or for the larger reason for peace, you might have to take the, make the first move towards an aggressor. So please explain to us as to what happened then. And Why is it uh, necessary sometimes? It was, it was something which was not, this meeting was not scheduled. Hmm. This was an initiative which the Prime Minister took, seeing the seriousness of the whole issue. But what had happened, something which could have turned to a war stopped at a confrontation which got resolved. Hmm. We have to see the bigger picture. And this was because the Prime Minister understanding the seriousness of the problem and finding a solution which I think was the best. So there are many times political leaderships need to take that decision not to go to war even though your forces are ready for it. Yes. Operation Parakram was yes. also that. Yes. Right? So, uh, you know, Mobilization happened, but Ultimately, war is a political decision. Hmm. And no wars have led to a solution. That is, any war, we have fought so many wars with Pakistan and we are ready to fight with China if required. They will. It would be to protect the boundaries of our nation and not to get anything else. Right. Sir, uh, uh, during this Doklam confrontation, was there, uh, a, it, it went on for 74 mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember uh, um, Jal Rawat and the people in NSCS talking, uh, like praising you uh, for your uh, resolve during the crisis. Was there at any point of time any uh, possibility or any marpeet like Yangtze and uh, Galwan, uh, where you felt that, okay, now, up to ladai hogi, ya kahin aur kisi sector mein. You know, uh, you, uh, Ajit, you remind me is that uh, when the situation all along the LEC was very sensitive, and of course, and Sikkim Doklam was happening, and it was 15th August, and we had gone for the Prime Minister's speech and his red fort, that I get a message that there's some problem in Ladakh. So I check up. Initially, the inputs do not come immediately, but it came was that there had been, as you say, marpeet. There had been a fi uh, uh, confrontation between our troops and the Chinese on Finger 4. Finger 4. And uh, it had become really violent. And if you see the social media photographs at that time. I have, I have that uh, videos. We had injured a Chinese soldier, which very maturely, one of our men ensured that he does not, it doesn't become too serious. Hmm. 
and uh, you had seen it, it uh, the violence had become slightly more well such incidents are the most dangerous where tactical commanders actions can lead to war hmm. it was a serious situation we handled it and we both sides could handle it because we had some rules of the game we pulled back from there and it did not affect the serious point that was local i think we should now move on to the other hat that general saab wears the now new, the new hat <laughs> the new hat that you wear so let's move to the you know you're the director general of the indian space association um so now uh, it's it's billed as the next big thing and mm. there are already 45 or so space yeah. startups so tell us what does the future look like uh okay i would i would start with is how it happened uh you uh, space has always been a strategic sector world over it has been the domain of governments be it in america be it in uh, india and in india it was led by isro who has done a fantastic job they have kept us amongst very few space faring nations of the world that said in america the open sky policy came around in late 90s uh just and what it the outcome of that was people like elon musk virgin galactic jeff bezos where private players started getting into the space domain and uh, when that has happened that has in india also the government realized that we also should hmm. have an opportunity hmm. for our private players hmm. because from the strategic sector today space has moved that it has become a commercial enterprise like i would give you an example early morning today when you would have woke up and if you used google you have used space when you checked the weather you have used space when you transferred some money or collected some money from atm you have used space all civilian uses and many more the farmer today when he decides to plant uh, trees uh, whatever his crops he looks at what is it when is the rains coming what is the right time and even if his if, if if his crop fails and he has to make a claim the banks check it through satellite photographs so it has now become a very very important part of our civil life hmm. and hence it was very important that india also apart from isro which has been doing a fabulous job private players should come in and fortunately for us firstly isro's suppliers and vendors have got good knowledge of technology hmm. and that is lnt that is walchand industries uh, that is godrej that is hcl and these are the four five major ones and a new thing after the prime minister made a decision and even before that uh, 2020 this decision was taken that we will allow space to be privatized in india startups have started coming and today the number we have is of 100 plus hmm. and the first startups who started in around 2018 last year fired their first rocket two of them have launched the satellites created in the private domain and many more will do it now hmm. in fact uh, one of our startups called pixel is going to make a constellation of satellites which will look at the whole world from the low earth orbit and do remote sensing by hyperspectral which is a very high end technology in the world it is rare and by the end of this year or next year they will have a constellation 
where they will provide information for handling disaster management or for monitoring forest fires or monitoring petroleum pipelines and it is being done by young men average is 28 to 30 so many uh, generations of indians i would say uh, you know we've grown up looking at the space wars between uh, the between america and the former soviet yeah. union uh, today there is the space wars or competition between america and china where does india figure in this uh, like i said we are amongst the very few space faring nations of the world and we have the technology and know how of the best and why i'm saying of the best is we have been able to send something to the mangalyaan and the chandrayaan and very soon human uh, uh, gaganyaan which is a human beings going up to the space will also have vyomnots right vyomnots so we uh, we have the technological capability mm. and we are there mm. yes in the last few years china has been very aggressively going into space hmm. they had a very large number of launches 50 or more last year compared to a very few 3 to 4 by us but that does not mean we do not have the capability hmm. now there is one thing called space as far as military goes it is one of the we say the new two domains apart from land air and sea is cyber and space but here i would say space is not for space wars that may take a little longer but space helps the present land sea and air to operate it is for communication it is for isr that is knowing where the enemy is today with what you have in the space no place in the world is hidden right they are uh, they the, with the precision of 10 cm they can read a plate of anywhere the whole area the whole border everything can be seen from space so the space has become a major enhancer of the capability of any military force and sir since you you are heading the organization association you are promoting startups now you are a military man basically <laughs> but uh, in the space association do you are you encouraging indian startups to develop something where we can have a have a system where the from space we can see if there is an infiltrator moving towards uh, terrorist moving towards the loc and uh, alert the ground troops to eliminate him then yeah that that would be a dream of any company commander nco or <laughs> any military commander it will happen one day very soon is uh, there work uh, going on now uh, yeah in this i would just like to tell you is the ministry of defense took a great initiative they would never talk to private players but they have discussed with my industry members my startups and with us and sat down to lay down the challenges for what they expect from private players exactly like you are saying what all is required in space for the militaries the three militaries army navy and air force and this was made into what is called idex ke defense challenges So. and 75 challenges have been now put into the open domain this is uh, to me it has been personally a great achievement that the militaries which never talked to private players about space have now interacted with private players in india and put something across to them what are the aspirations for what do they want enhancement for and 
um, one of the things in that would be that we would be able to see infiltrator coming across and sir uh, like now you are uh, dealing a lot with the private companies now uh, i remember about a few years back private was a very bad word in the military correct yes. people yes. would say suspicion private wala hai isko to sham ko 4 se 5 ke beech mein ek ghante mein mil sakte hain wo phone apna 5 kilometer dur jama karke aayega isse koi baat nahi karega ya jo baat karega wo written communication hi hoga now uh, now you are talking about lot of successes from private sector uh, this is happening in defense also yeah so firstly the, this government itself has changed the environment from the mindset which i would say the buffers mindset or what happened in those times it is a different world and there's been a very uh, creative uh, thing done by defense ministry called idex where they throw challenges to young uh, young innovators young startups on something which has needs to be created in india they finance it partially and they let them go from the stage of an idea to a product being so it's a it's a different world it's i have seen this world changing from my military experience where i would not talk to any industry man when i was in uniform not officially at least hmm. to what is happening now right and it is a positive change because they also have to be partners in our security right so you spoke about uh, mission gaganyaan uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, where uh, you know indian astronauts going into space when is that going to happen we have not uh, you know uh, yeah uh, previously uh, the target was about 2023 uh, 24 they have reviewed the targets and slightly it'll take a little more time because very rightly like the isro chief says human life is very important hmm. and they have to do multiple tests hmm. to ensure hmm. that they when they ultimately send a man to space it is totally safe right but what is already going on is the training of the astronauts or the worm nots as you say uh, the equipment on which it will go and this year there will be tests on what they call checking it for disaster something happens if it has to be launched and how all the equipment has been working and all there are multiple tests they have to do when they will reach the level when they will put actually put a human being and send him across but it will happen I mean, uh, uh, my generation. So we were in school when Scott Leader Sharma yeah. uh, went, and you know there was uh, there's always a hope that in my lifetime, at least, I want to see a Vyom not. Oh yes, not in your lifetime. So just in a few years. All right. Okay. Now tell us about the Chandrayaan three. At what stage are we, sir? Because there was this collective sense of dismay, you know, when that uh, Vikram lander of Chandrayaan mm-hmm. two. it crashed so where are we right now on that uh, i think it's uh, the new one which they are making for hmm. chandrayaan 3 hmm. is a more modern and much more hmm. uh, it will be far uh, better one made and if you see vikram also we saw that okay it did not land and all but what had been achieved hmm. till where it was sent was a great thing it just happened uh, in space one small error costs the whole mission and that is what happened in that case that uh, in the final landing there was something which did not work but that is why maybe it is taking a little more time but this will also again happen very soon i would not be the one who would 
like to put a timeline on this on any of the missions because the isro chairman does he keeps keeps making a statement and like in science and especially rocket science which is ultimate we have to leave the timelines to our scientists right and and sir uh, talking about all these programs now when we uh, sent the mission to mars uh, that was uh, uh, in terms of cost it was very low if you compare it with yes. uh, the americans so how are we how are our cost compared to what the chinese are doing uh, in terms of satellites and creating these constellations now uh, as far as china goes we are not aware of what is their cost because they have not commercially been talking of it okay uh, we only get a sense of what america or many other nations do but if you compare it with all others in the world the isro program itself and even the cost of launch cost of satellite made by isro and now in the future by a private sector would be very competitive cost wise it would be competitive enough that people from all over the world will use our launch vehicles or get satellites manufactured in india already uh, some countries have used no oh yes they have been that is they have been using the ride of our pslvs and gslvs the latest has been 36 satellites of one web which were launched by the gslv in october okay so that has been happening but more of it will happen Uh, and when the private sector uh, uh, launch vehicles will go up in the space how uh, uh, like how would they be in uh, terms of cost comparison with the isro ones now would they still be cheaper uh, firstly what i would like to uh, tell you is we are quite cheap in comparison to others but ever since elon musk has come into the fray and the re- uh, reusable rocket he has made cost of launch One fifth of what it was before. Okay, that is a very tall order to compete with, because it requires the technology of a reusable rocket. But I am very confident that will also be made in India. So you spoke about how um, you know this the the achievements that we have done in uh, space research and all how it's benefiting from pharma uh, to the defense and all. So. Uh, it, can you explain a little more about how this digital divide that everybody talks about in india yeah. how that can be surmounted yeah. uh, through space in fact that is one of the things my association has always been propounding and i've been lobbying on it with the government uh, you know india the biggest challenge is that half of india maybe 47% plus which is in the rural areas or areas like ladakh or andamans or many other unconnected areas because what has happened is mobiles have come all over the country hmm. but fiberization has not reached the last man hmm. northeast arunachal pradesh ladakh now space will overcome that okay because technologically it is far easier to do it a satellite today on a low constellation is something like a tower in the sky we call it fiber in space and that will ensure it will connect the man in the village as also provide him broadband these low earth uh, leo constellations which are being created by oneweb which are being created by starlink claim and i'm very sure will provide broadband connectivity to the furthest corner equal speeds comparable speeds to what 
there is still communication is providing right and what happens the outcome of that is the whole economy of the rural area will change yes because they will be able to do fintech they will be able to do education they will be able to use it for health tourism too and also enterprises will go there factories will right. go there yes because iots can also be used because i've seen very often you know uh, there are these uh, people make this instagram reels and things which they make that uh, beautiful village uh, that you know bed and breakfast in some area and then the they say hum yahan pe but we can we can't make reels we can't put it we can't promote tourism in these areas even if it's ecological tourism friendly tourism even that can't happen and you know when tourists reach a place the economy improves so connectivity is extremely important absolutely right, right? so that broadband connectivity broadband connectivity will be achieved far faster with satellite communication i feel this uh, restraint a lot in ladakh and mm-hmm. near the pangong where you can click thousands of pictures but, but they will not there is that. no connectivity at all and most of the tourists like i go there for coverage but most of the tourists who come there they feel this then there are villages near chushul and all these areas are natural you are right sir. but in from a security point of view sir is it okay because there is also this thing that once you open up and you give everybody connectivity out there uh, the enemy can also use that the fact is you may deny it to your people because of the security but today satellites and especially like the low earth observation satellites are international hmm you cannot tell elon musk not to provide it to pakistan correct or maybe china also because he is a commercial enterprise so it is something you deny to your people on the reason of security is you are you will be left behind in the race you have to find other methods to ensure that security is taken care of jens up this one thing that i want to pick up this is uh, david uh, devdas's uh, book <laughs> on the story on kashmir he writes the saving grace was that the officers in charge in 2018 were far more sensitive and nuanced than those who had fought a proxy war in the late 1990s intelligent and responsive officers like the co-commander anil bhat and the commander in chief of the northern command understood the limitations of kinetic operations in home arenas explain on this how was it different from the 90s and now uh, well uh, the times were different hmm. and the requirements were different okay because in 1990 when the upsurge took place it was the situation was that a large part of the valley was not under the control of the security forces firstly we were very low in numbers rr had not been created uh, we were focused on the line of control but internally we just hardly had a brigade or a little more and those challenging times where armies of terrorists were being trained in villages in pockets which were away and far of reach it was something like it was an they were they were believing and the whole people of kashmir were believing that they would have taken kashmir in a few days we almost lost kashmir in 90s yeah, 90s so at that time maybe kinetic operations were much more important hmm. neutralization of a larger number of terrorists was important and maybe the collateral damages were also larger and we as an army also were dealing with a very challenging situation at a time but as things have improved and when i went there 
I looked at the cycle of violence from 1990 to when I took over in 2018. Hmm. I saw our successes and our failures. But you were there before 2018 yeah, also yeah, as a younger yeah, officer. Yeah. So as a younger officer every time <coughs> my every tour of duty is different. Was, was different. Right. Was different. Uh you had to shift across and I'll give uh, I'll give you the best example is uh on Eid. Uh my some some of my predecessors started it. Uh, local company commanders would call local people and serve biryani and all to the people as a goodwill gesture now this was done all across the valley it was being done previously i said yes why not and it it establishes the writ of the company commander hmm. his contact with the people now this was happening all over on that day i got a report at one place that there was uh, when we our people were distributing food there was violence crowd came in there was stone pelting and the people my people who had gone to distribute the biryani at the masjid were uh, had to really withdraw using uh, firing weapons in the air now many of my commanders said why should we feed them when this is their response hmm i also reviewed it but i said no it will continue why because we did it at 2000 places it is only one place we got that response and rest of the 1900 people people were very warm and they took it hmm so uh, so the uh, to again differentiate between the people and the separatists is very important right and that is that was my focus hmm. in kashmir i listed out every jamaati i listed out every huriyat member to differentiate him who had stakes with pakistan who had stakes in the violence who was even selling admissions in pakistan and uh, pakistan for students from kashmir this is what the huriyat chief used to do collect money for that somebody would pay him 10 lakhs 20 lakhs he would keep half the money this was the money to be used for terrorists or for him and in the 90s the huriyats were just about starting out and yeah. they were like kings after yes, that yes. So, in your earlier tenures you would have seen that so you've seen the difference of when the huriyat chief died nobody even there was nothing otherwise 5 years back if he had died because he was an old man and he could have died any time there were fears that there would be violence and kashmir would burn hmm we have been able to create a situation where he died like any old man would go away you were there you had you were very casually saying 274 terrorists died in one year there were a lot of big targets big Uh, terrorist or so called senior commanders who were killed and you had a list top 10 i guess that started top 10 terrorist to be eliminated how uh, frequently did that uh, list you had to like you could take off uh, that ek do teen sab chale gaye types kaise list ka idea kaise aaya sir aur kaise aapne so you know, how uh, did you carry out when you make a list it puts a pressure on the other guy that he he otherwise also knows and like the average age of a terrorist we have reduced it the hm leader did not previously would survive for 5 to 10 years by the time my tenure was getting end it was uh, ending it was 9 months to one year a local terrorist who took up arms a young boy his survival rate was 6 months 3 months all of this has the outcome has been lesser people joining there hmm a situation uh, mohammad azhar the jash leader 
in the area of Thral where there is Masood Azhar. Masood Azhar, sorry. Masood Azhar sent his nephews. The first nephew came. He was supposedly a great leader who was a sniper firer. And they said he'll create Thral again into what it was 15 years back. He went back to Allah or to his uncle in 15 days. The next nephew was sent. We send him back, send him up in 10 days. And the third one was in 3 days. Okay. So that was the kind of intelligence network so he had. three of Masood Azhar's nephews? They, they claimed that they were his nephews. I don't know if he has so many brothers and sons. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, definitely out of the three, two we knew who were his, uh, his nephews. Is that communicated back to them? Oh, they know. They know, yeah. We do that. <laughs> you do that, right? Yeah. That kind of conversation is necessary. Yes, it, is, it doesn't have to be on a, on a phone call or something, but it gets communicated. Right. Are the bodies sent back? Are they? What happens no. to them? Uh, no. Uh, it is a rule we follow in Kashmir. Uh, all foreign terrorists will be buried in a place which we have identified. Unmarked? Yes. But it is a place we've identified from anywhere they will be. And also the locals are, I guess, told that or the message has gone that there's no yes. incentivizing yes. sending their sons. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, and that was itself a major effort. And mm. thanks to uh, our security agencies also who helped us in it. We were able to map these people who were organizing it. Mm. There was an organization working from Horiyat working from other separatists, who would go when a terrorist would die to make it into a big affair? Making the mother fire a weapon, hmm. getting the crowds collected from all the villages around, having all those, uh, the total drama which used to come of any terrorist dying and showing 10,000 people there and all, was done by an organization which organized it. We picked them up. So it wasn't organic, those yes. visuals that... No, they were all done up. There were social media groups who would say, reach there, you have to reach there. People had to report that they've reached there. So if I'm not even involved in, in any way in terrorism, if I did not go there, there would be a blowback to me. Hmm. So we identified these ringleaders, these perpetrators. And of course, many of them are behind bars. Right. So you spoke about uh, social media and uh, how it uh, it helps create a narrative for the militants, and then you used the that the forces use that same social media to break that narrative. Yeah. Could you give me a little bit? Uh, you know, you this is this is one of the biggest challenges is the echo chambers which get created in the social groups. What happens is many of these social media groups. Uh, of these young boys hmm. are in an echo chamber where they believe everything being done by India. Hmm. The Indian government hmm. is against them. Hmm. The story which would be told to them and would be exaggerated would be anti-Indian. Now, then there is a social media narrative which we put across everywhere. I'm not, I, uh, I realize that many of them are not seeing what I am putting across. Hmm. I have to get into their groups. I have to get into their minds. And for that, we, we used resources that people were there inside to put in a story. And that had its impact. Right. But yes, it, uh, it required creating teams, taking local help, 
because they would understand the local mind more much more uh, but uh, yes very important thing from this social media end was we also understood what was the vitriol hmm. and where was it what was the cause of it and many a times the cause was wrong it was based on a lie hmm. so the best thing was hinge your uh, your your campaign on truths hmm. on facts right yeah. and that helped okay thank you sir thank you very much for giving us your time and shedding light on the various uh, aspects in, Do- in the doklam region as well as in jammu kashmir and space so thank you for your time on behalf of ajit and me so i would just say ki uh, every soldier has a dream i have uh, to do the best in the armed forces for me it has thanks to the army it has been a dream i could do everything possible which any soldier would aspire to and uh, my prayer to god is next life also i should start the same way and become a soldier what a lovely thing to say jai hind sir thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you for watching or listening in to this podcast do like or subscribe on whichever channel you have seen this or heard this namaste jai hind